Hello, I'm Andy Johnson and this is The Daily Tone, the podcast keeping you posted with the latest updates and news from the world of podcasting and audio. Today is Monday and that means I'm giving my top three listening recommendations for the week ahead. So let's kick things off in no particular order with my first podcast recommendation. Well, today in our program, we have two stories about people who bump into unsettling facts from history. They're both stories that's in a setting designed to actually teach them a little bit of history. And in both of these stories, what they learn is so different from the lessons that they are supposed to get from the past. In fact, it's not even close. From WBEZ Chicago, it's This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. Stay with us. Considered by many to be the godfather of public radio over in the States, Ira Glass has worked in the industry for over 30 years. 22 of those have been as the host and producer of This American Life, a one-hour weekly radio show broadcast on numerous public radio stations across America, as well as being available to listen in podcast form all over the world. The show focuses on journalistic and non-fiction storytelling, although there have also been some short fiction stories occasionally featured, along with memoirs and found footage. Each week, a subject is introduced to the listener, and then two or three stories based on that subject are told. These are incredibly engaging stories, told by an almost hypnotic voice that Glass has mastered over the years. His cadence and pacing is so distinctive and authentic, he's earned the trust of listeners over two decades of the show. So much so, in fact, that the show is now used by podcast companies as a window of opportunity to launch new shows. Serial got its big break after the pilot episode was aired on the show back in 2014. Check out This American Life, which drops into podcast feeds every Sunday. Next, I'm recommending BBC Radio 4's The Infinite Monkey Cage. Hello, I'm Robin Ince. And I'm Brian Cox. Today we ask, was Brian's pop career just a phase he was going through due to the changing structures of his teenage brain before he entered the adulthood of being a particle physicist? And why did Robin remain trapped in the perpetual adolescence of being a stand-up comedian? <sighs> Shut up, Brian. I'm not a, you're such an idiot. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> and in fact, anyway, I am now a serious Radio 4 broadcaster, somewhere between Melvin Bragg and Nicholas Parsons, <laughs> which is how I got the job. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Today, we discuss the science of teenagers. What physiological changes occur in the brain during the teenage years? Is there an evolutionary explanation for them? Do these changes occur in other animals? And why didn't these changes reach completion in Robinins? <sighs> you are being so extra. Each show, Professor Brian Cox and Robin Ince are joined by a panel usually consisting of two scientific experts and one curious comedian. Together, they discuss all things scientific surrounding the particular chosen subject. Quite often, it's exploring the science behind the most basic and ordinary of everyday things that we encounter in our lives, such as sleep or being a teenager, which you just heard there. It's a thoroughly entertaining and amusing way of exploring the science in our world, and sometimes even beyond it. There are usually six weekly episodes in a season, a couple of seasons a year, And with the last of those back in February, we are soon to hear the new series which is currently being recorded, so watch this space. But go back and listen to old episodes which are still all available if you want to get your fix sooner. 
And my third recommendation this week is a podcast called Freakonomics. Hosted by Stephen Dubner, the podcast follows the success of the hugely popular book he co-wrote with Steve Levitt, also a contributor to the show. The basic premise is the same. It's a fascinating, surprising and often moving exploration into everyday life and the economics behind it. From shows about living in different time zones, cheating exams and probability of sporting success to shows about parenting and the gender pay gap, Freakonomics always has a fascinating new perspective on a subject you thought you already understood. Here's a short clip from an episode a couple of years back. It features a man who, after hearing a previous episode about the kidney donor system in America, decided to take action himself. I understand you wrote a letter to your family when you had gotten pretty far along in the process. Uh, by then you'd undergone some of the testing? Yes, yes. Do you happen to have that letter handy? Uh, actually, I do have it here. If you don't mind giving that a read, that'd be great. Sure, okay. Uh, this is a letter that I wrote to my family when I realized that this is what I wanted to do and uh, I wanted to inform them all at the same time. So um, I sent them an email and it goes like this. All, as you've commented upon, I've had a number of medical tests over the summer. I did not fully answer your questions about those because I wanted to wait until I had cleared all the tests. I'm happy to report that I'm about as healthy as is possible for a 65-year-old male to be. Back in the spring, I was listening to a Freakonomics podcast about a man who won the Nobel Prize in economics for constructing a model of a market to trade indivisible objects without the use of money. He was thinking about houses, but it turns out that the model works very well for other things. His work had been used to create an extensive network for the matching of kidney donors and recipients. The more I listened to the podcast, the more fascinated I became as I learned that just one altruistic donor, a person who donates without a targeted recipient, can launch a chain of kidney transplants that can number as high as 43. I spoke with the National Kidney Foundation and learned more about the process. I registered as a potential donor and began an extensive series of tests at New York Presbyterian, which have now concluded with me being accepted as a kidney donor. So why am I doing this? Many of our friends and acquaintances have had their share of health challenges in recent years. It is mightily frustrating to watch the pain and suffering and be unable to be any, any help. I, on the other hand, am in perfect health, I have no need for my second kidney, and I appreciate that my actions may greatly benefit the lives of not just the recipients of those kidneys, but their entire families. Without it being too much of a stretch, my one wholly redundant organ can potentially change and improve the lives of hundreds of people. There were 5,355 kidney transplants from living donors last year, and there are over 100,000 people on the wait list right now for a kidney. The operation is several hours. They start about 3 a.m. in order to catch the morning flights around the country, particularly Los Angeles. L.A. does more transplants than any place in the country, and New York Presbyterian does the most east of the Mississippi. They will have me walking that same day, and I should stay two days in the hospital. I will be uncomfortable for two weeks and fully recovered after four weeks. The operation is laparoscopic with a single incision in the abdomen. I have been working hard with my trainer on my abs. My advocate tells me that because I am blood type O, a universal donor, and an altruistic donor, I will light up computer screens across the country when they list me tomorrow. I'm happy to report that mom is fully on board with this. I could go on for a while, but I think you have the picture. If you have interest in hearing the podcast that inspired me, you can find it here, and then I note the Freakonomics page. 
and uh, the short Freakonomics blog on the subject here. Let me know if you have any questions. Love you all. Dad. If you'd like to hear the full episode, and I really recommend that you do, then head over to Freakonomics.com or search wherever you get your podcasts. The episode is called Ask Not What Your Podcast Can Do For You. There you have it then. My top three podcast recommendations for the week ahead. Links to all my recommendations will be in the info section of this episode. Thanks for listening. The Daily Tone is a podcast created by Tonality Media. This episode was hosted and edited by me, Andy Johnson. <laughs>